Welcome back here to another episode of Locked on NFL. Kevin Ostreicher of Locked on Ravens speaking with the one and only Matthew Williamson. And there's some good stuff to get into today as we kind of get into a bunch of injuries across the league. And of course, me being a Ravens guy, I don't think it'd be right to not talk about this Baltimore team that went 14-2, and had the MVP campaign by Lamar Jackson. And really, all eyes are on them as the NFL season starts here in 2020. But, Matthew, before we do that, I want to get into some of these injuries that have been happening across the league. Now, obviously, there is no preseason, the training camp with this whole COVID situation. It's been a little all over the place, and we're starting to see with guys not having as much of a ramp-up period, guys are going down with injuries. And we saw a couple of big ones yesterday in David Montgomery, the running back from the Chicago Bears, and Xavier McKinney, the rookie safety, the second-round player from Alabama, who the Giants were really hoping could contribute to their defense. Do you do you chalk these injuries up to just these players not having enough time to maybe ramp up their bodies? Because we've seen guys go down, Kenyon Drake in a walking boot, for example. What do you chalk these injuries up to? Yeah, it's a great question. And, I mean, I think we'd be remiss to say, well, I mean, injuries happen in camp every year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just because COVID hit doesn't mean that's why this guy pulled his groin or his hamstring. And those two seem like to be the most, the injuries of choice lately. Um, who's to say? I mean, it could be a total coincidence. It's a small sample size. But I do think that, well, I do know. I mean, the, the football is a strange sport. I mean, there aren't many sports or activities or ways to train your body that you can do Full bore, physical, running, exhilarating for three to five seconds, and then you take 30 seconds off, then you do it again. You know, like, getting on a bike isn't the same. You know, climbing a mountain's not the same. I mean, so there's a lot of that stop-start exhilaration on your body that playing football is how you truly get into football shape. That football shape, in quotes, is not really a cliché. So let's talk about these two injuries. Hopefully there's not a lot more, but I do think some of this has to be doing with just people haven't played much football lately. Yeah, and I think that's exactly it. I mean, you're right. The NFL, football in general, is a sport where injuries are going to happen. It could happen any single play, any given snap, any given rep. But getting into these two in specific, you talk about David Montgomery. He was supposed to have a feature role in the Chicago offense. They had a ton of hope for him to really come on and lead this running back room. Now, Tariq Cohen is obviously another guy who is very important to that offense. But I think Montgomery gives them another dimension to their game. So with him out, and we don't know how serious this injury is yet, I probably expect Cohen to take on a big role. There are also some solid free agent running backs out there, me being a Ravens guy. Maybe the Bears explore a trade for a Gus Edwards because Baltimore has four solid running backs on their roster. But you, you look at this injury, I don't, I don't know, because the Bears, they're hoping, they're praying that Mitch Trubisky can take a leap this season. If not, they have Nick Foles there as well. H- how much does this impact the Chicago offense? Well, we, we talked to Bears earlier this week with, with Brian on vacation and, and had the host of Locked on Bears on as a really good conversation. And that was before the injury. And one thing we didn't touch on with that offense, and I urge everyone to go back and listen to that, is the running backs behind Montgomery, because Cohen, I don't even know if you call him a running back. Yes, he goes to the running back meeting room. 
but he's a specialty player. He's a satellite player. The depth at the running back position is very poor. I mean, you mentioned Gus Edwards, maybe Devontae Freeman, somebody like that would make some sense. But Montgomery, to me, didn't have a terrible year. And again, we talked about this a lot just the other day, so go listen to it. But his blocking was really poor. People didn't fear the passing game. And he trimmed a little weight this year, which I think will be very useful for him. I mean, in terms of a little bit more quickness. And now if he's out for an extended stretch or for the whole year or who knows, he went off on a cart and some people seem optimistic, but as we're recording this, we don't know for sure. All of a sudden, to me, the Bears don't have a running back. Yeah, and I think that's that's a big issue because you mentioned nobody was scared of that passing game, so they were hoping that Montgomery could at least provide something in that offense. And a a bit of a down year from what I think a lot of people were expecting from him. Again, I think they were hoping for him to take that leap. But all in all, the Bears need guys in this offense to step up. You know, they have Allen Robinson, and they have a few other pieces, you know, 10 tight ends. So, you know, pick your poison there. (laughs) But honestly... I expected Montgomery to take a huge leap this year, and now with him potentially being out for an extended period of time, the Bears need somebody who can take that load, because you're right. Tariq Cohen, he is listed as a running back. He he does go into that meeting room, as you said, but honestly, the, the Bears need somebody who can be almost a power back, somebody who can come in, give them chunk yards. Again, I think Gus Edwards would be a phenomenal option for them, over five yards of carry in his first two years in a Ravens uniform. That's somebody who, if, if Montgomery is out for half the season, let's say, or even the full 16 games, this is a guy who you could rely on. And somebody who's not going to get a ton of snaps in Baltimore now that Mark Ingram is there, and now J.K. Dobbins, also Justice Hill. But now moving on to Xavier McKinney, the Giants, you know, not blessed by the injury gods yesterday. Xavier McKinney and linebacker David Mayo, both to undergo surgery. Now Xavier McKinney has a foot injury, David Mayo a knee injury. Both of these guys are big parts to this defense. Mayo played 16 games for a third consecutive season and also had 80 tackles and two sacks last year in Xavier McKinney. Not enough good things I could say about him. A phenomenal football player and a rookie who was expected to contribute a huge amount on this defense. What do you what do you make of these injuries, Matthew? Do you think that this sets the Giants' defense back quite a bit? I, I mean, for for people that don't know, their new defensive coordinator comes from Miami, which basically means he comes from New England, and they want to be a heavy coverage unit, blitz a lot, you know, uh, that style of Patriot-like defense. And a guy like McKinney, who a lot of people thought would have been a first-round pick, and now the top two safeties in this draft class are out, you know, you know coincidentally, I think he was going to kind of be their jack-of-all-trades, Patriot-like safety, in the box, deep, man coverage, a lot of man coverage, backs and tight ends, you know, a very versatile and important piece long-term and short-term. And he's not going to be there. I mean, and so I think that's a big deal. They need all the talent they could get. He's a talented guy. I'm sure they were very happy that he fell that late in the draft. And then linebacker, I always think of the Giants. I know it's a new regime, but no team has ignored the second level of their defense over my lifetime. And I'm 47 years old, like the Giants. I mean, like, there's not much there to get excited about. So, once again, and I mentioned, you know, that both safeties are out. This kind of happened to the Browns, and we'll probably get into some – we'll definitely get into some AFC North talk. The middle of the field for the Giants all of a sudden 
like like Cleveland looks pretty darn worrisome. Yeah, and this this leaves a huge hole in in the Giants secondary. You mentioned the top two safeties now now done for the year. It seems like this, this is a big blow to the Giants mm-hmm. because McKinney, a first round prospect in some people's circles, and I, I certainly thought he had the ability to go late in the first round. Safety wasn't a huge need for teams. I mean, it would have been for Baltimore if they knew the whole Earl Thomas thing would be coming up. But for, for all these teams, for the Giants in particular, they knew what they were getting in Xavier McKinney. Somebody who is pretty fluid, has great acceleration. He's a tackling machine, very instinctive, a good guy who you can place into his own scheme. Also has a lot of good ball skills. I mean, again, yeah. not enough things that I could say about Xavier McKinney and what he was going to bring to this Giants defense. And with the Ravens going and playing the NFC East this season, I mean, it's really something because now the Giants are going to have to rely on some guys, and we're so close to the season now, right? Just like with Baltimore and and Earl Thomas, the Giants now lose their free safety, as we mentioned. The Browns also lost theirs. Guys are going to have to step into a starting role, not a ton of experience, and get playing time. That, that's a tough call because Xavier McKinney was supposed to be the, the X factor for this Giants defense. You know, like, like you said, right, right. they were most likely thrilled that he fell to them. They were able to get, you know, a guy in Andrew Thomas to help their offensive line. They were also able to get a guy who could be a face of their defense. And now they're going to have to wait another year to see if that is the case. But for me, I think that this is a big loss for the Giants. Also, David Mayo, another big loss. You mentioned the, the scheme that the Giants want to run here. They were both going to be huge, huge parts of that. So for, yeah, for New right. York, yeah, I think that you, you look at it, there's a lot to like about these two players, but unfortunately we're going to have to wait another year. The Bears and the Giants, it wouldn't blow me away if they both end up picking in the top five, six, seven, eight in the draft. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with the injury they sustained. I mean, right. it does to an extent, but, you know, you're looking at Daniel Jones for the Giants, who they hope to take a big second-year leap. I expect him to take a big second-year leap, but, I mean, you can offset these losses, and, again, we don't know how long David Montgomery is out for, but with the Bears, how much are you really expecting from Mitch Trubisky at this point? Right, right. I mean, it's... I mean, I think their defense will be better, but um, I have major concerns about both these teams. For for the Bears and the Giants, these were the pieces that fans were excited about, that the organizations were excited about, and saying, well, you know, we might not make the playoffs this year, but at least we can see what we have in these pieces, see if David Montgomery can take that leap, see if Xavier McKinney is all that he was hyped up to be when we drafted him. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how these two teams end up performing in 2020. But we are going to head into our first break here. But when we get back, we are going to be talking about some AFC North getting into the Ravens and more. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. But before we do that, with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need into a traditional chain storefront. Wyander often pointless will seem the intimidating questioning. And wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on there. How'd you hear about a spot so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. 
And we are back with our second segment of this Locked On NFL podcast here on Thursday. Kevin Ostriker, the host of Locked On Ravens, still here with the one and only Matt Williamson. And Matt, we just talked about these injuries that have been happening across the entire NFL. But now I want to dive into a bit into my neck of the woods and talk about this Baltimore Ravens team and, of course, the rest of the AFC North but I want to get your perspective on a few things and just talk some regular AFC North talk here with you. But I need to start with Lamar Jackson. You know, the MVP of the 2019 season led the Ravens to a 14-2 and record, 43 total touchdowns. Kind of took the league by storm. Not many knew what to expect with Lamar Jackson in 2019, and nobody, including myself, saw the leap that he took. I could not have foreseen that. So, Matt, when you talk about Lamar Jackson, what impressed you so much about his game in 2019, and what do you expect from him in 2020? I, I mean, my fans know this. I mean, I thought he was the best quarterback in that draft class and said it several times going in. And so, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be an MVP in his second year. Like, oh, I saw this coming. I knew. I'm not pretending to be that guy. But I also watched <laughs> him after his rookie season, and – Went back and watched all his throws as a rookie after he took over. And, you know, those those packages even with Flacco was involved. And I thought he threw the ball much better than most people gave him credit for. And one of the things I noticed was when he missed, he missed really bad. So people would be like, wow, that's a really bad throw. But it still counts the same. You know what I mean? He still made a lot of really good throws. But when he missed it, he missed ugly, ugly a lot. And I had some people tell me, that he struggled a little bit in his rookie year with the NFL ball. People never talk about that. But imagine if you were a pitcher and they gave you a slightly different baseball in the major leagues or a hockey puck was a little heavier or a basketball was a little slightly different. Like, you would have a hard time doing what you did in college with that ball. And I think it affected him a little bit. And obviously worked really hard in that offseason to get it down pat, and I thought he threw the ball extremely well. I think we will see some touchdown efficiency regression. You know, like all the fantasy people will tell you, he's not going to throw a touchdown as often per throw as he did. I mean, it's almost impossible. And I also think some defenses, well, I, I think that defenses in general will be less caught by surprise and will understand what the Ravens are doing on offense a little bit better as well, especially within the division. And I think there's a huge benefit to playing against this team a second, a third time more so than some offenses. But that's selling, you know, the way I, I set that up, that's selling Lamar and Harbaugh short that, what, you don't think they're going to adjust? You don't think he's going to get better? You know what I mean? So I think all those things are at play I think there'll be more big plays in the passing game, namely by Marquise Brown. I think he'll be probably a little less run heavy. I mean, I'm not sure if they want him running quite the percentage he did last year, but I expect another MVP type of year. Yeah, and I expect it too. I agree with you. I think that the efficiency will go down. I mean, what we saw was literally historic, and I don't right. think that that's easily replicated but, you know, Lamar Jackson has come out, and he said in media sessions, he said it last year, he said it again this year, he keeps reiterating the point 
that he loves throwing the football. He wants to throw the football more. And I know John Harbaugh and that Ravens coaching staff definitely wants him to throw the football more. And I think the Ravens are gearing up to do that as well. Yes, they lost Hayden Hurst and, and Seth Roberts, but they go in the draft. They add Devin DuVernay. They add James Prochet, two guys who I thought were, you know, absolute steals and not necessarily guys who are going to take snaps away from Miles Boykin and, and Marquise Brown. That, that's the main reason I don't think they went out and signed a big-name wide receiver or drafted one of the big-time draft guys in the 2020 class in C.G. Lamb or Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs. They trust their guys. They expect Miles Boykin to take this huge second-year leap. They expect Marquise Brown to take a huge second-year leap and command this offense and command the wide receiver room because th- this wide receiver room, it's really young. Willie Sneed is the oldest wide receiver in that room at 27 years old. They have, they're going to be relying on two second-year guys, two rookies, Willie Sneed. They brought in Des Bryant for a workout. Who knows you know, if they'll ever sign him. There were reportedly issues with his workout, r- r- rumors that he ended up throwing up after five minutes. I don't know how true those are. <laughs> but you look at it. Baltimore is gearing up to pass the football more, and I didn't even mention Mark Andrews. I didn't even mention Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins receiving chops out of the backfield. So they're going to have to, I think, not necessarily pass the ball more to be successful, because I still think they could do what they did in 2019 and still be successful. But if they do pass the ball more in 2020, that's just going to open up their offense, open up the field even more. And another point you made there, Matt, was that it's going to benefit some teams to play them two or three times, and I do agree with that, but I want to make a point that, you know, saying that teams have figured him out, which you, you didn't say, I'm not saying you did, right, but, right. but some people all go this different stuff, across the entire league, if you play somebody multiple times, that's obviously going to increase your chances of learning tendencies and doing all this different stuff. You study more film on them. That doesn't necessarily mean this offense is going to be figured out. You know, there are advantages to being the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals because you get to play Lamar Jackson and and learn the nuances of this offense. But Baltimore is also adding in wrinkles, which I think are really exciting and I think is going to be enticing to me, honestly, to watch week in and week out every Sunday. I think NFL fans as a whole are going to want to watch these Ravens play offense because of just how dominant they are and just how fun it is to watch them. But, Matt, I also want to ask you about, in terms of the rest of the AFC North, who do you think is the Ravens' biggest challenger for the division crown this year? Well, I mean, you're you're talking about a guy that indirectly works for the Steelers and has a Steelers show, and I'm in my basement looking at Mean Joe Green stuff on the <laughs> wall and a signed Chuck Knoll thing, and I go to camp every day or every year. You know, I mean, I'm a Steelers guy. I don't hide it. Um, but to be as impartial as I possibly can, I absolutely still think it's Pittsburgh. But – I do think Baltimore is the better team. I mean, I think Baltimore is in the top tier of the league, and I think the Steelers are in the tier below that. Um, But that being said, I mean, I still think Pittsburgh is a contender, and I don't say that about very many teams. We can get to the Ohio teams. I think there's a lot of turnover with those teams, counting on new pieces, counting on young guys. I think that's a bad – new coaches, young coaches. I think that's a bad formula in today's NFL. And the Steelers are just really stable. And, again, the Ravens are the better team. But I think Pittsburgh doesn't have a lot of holes. Yeah, Pittsburgh is a really interesting team to me because – this all rides on Ben Roethlisberger, at least in my opinion. The defense can take you so far. The defense is dominant. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that defense is scary. It has teeth. 
But you have to be relying on Ben Roethlisberger. I also think you're going to need a huge year from Juju Smith-Schuster if you're a Steelers guy. And and I think overall, this Pittsburgh team, they were just snake-bitten with injuries throughout the entire 2019 season. Now, how much you trust Ben Roethlisberger, Matt, is my next question to you. Do you think that Big Ben has the resurgence that all the people in Pittsburgh have been talking about? Do you want to kind of dial that back a little bit, or do you think he's done altogether? I don't think he's close to being done altogether. I think their actions being close to the team, I can promise you that the Steelers have faith in him, and they know him better than I do or anyone out there, of course, um, and for more than just this year. And you mentioned the defense. I mean, they had the worst quarterback play in the league last year, and I often say that I use the example of Joe Flacco and Eli Manning are – done you know they're they've had okay careers or whatever they they can't play anymore they're over the hill but if the Steelers would have had one of those two last year they probably win 10 games instead of eight I guarantee they get into the playoffs just as the cerebral side of the quarterback position of knowing how to get everyone in out of the huddle knowing where the blitz is coming from where to make a protection adjustment how to read basic coverages the speed of the game and even if Ben ate what he used to be in terms of physical brawn, he has all that stuff, you know, obviously, the experience, the ability to play. And I don't think they need him to be Superman. If they get league average quarterback play, I think they're a playoff team. Yeah, and this AFC North division is going to be extremely competitive. I mean, I don't think Cincinnati makes a ton of noise this year. I think Joe Burrow is going to get killed because of his offensive line, and we'll, we'll talk about that in the next segment. But you have Baltimore, you have Cleveland, and you have Pittsburgh. Three teams who all arguably can make the playoffs together. You could have three teams from the AFC North make the playoffs. And I'm really on the fence about Pittsburgh. They're, at the moment, my eight seed but I could seriously see moving them into a seven or a six slot because mm-hmm. if you can get some good production out of Ben Roethlisberger, if you just miss Schuster takes that leap and we all know what the defense is going to do. I think they could be a huge threat, not only to the Ravens for the AFC North divisional crown, although I do still think Baltimore takes it. But once you get into the playoffs, as we've seen, and as I've seen up close with the Ravens, it's a whole new just season. And Ben Roethlisberger has that experience. And I think that, If you get good play from him, the Steelers would be a very, very big threat in 2020. But we're going to head into our final break now. When we return, we're going to be keeping the AFC North talk train going. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. But before we do that, talking about ED isn't easy. Usually people just brush it off or they blame themselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or people just avoid it altogether. With Roman, you can get free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com. A complete and online visit. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off of your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. We are here with our final segment on this Thursday edition. Kevin Ostreicher of Locked On Ravens still here with Matt Williamson. And Matt, we got into the Ravens a little bit and we talked about the Steelers. But now I want to focus a little bit more on the battle of Ohio with the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. And we'll throw some Ravens talk in there as well. I don't think I'll be able to avoid it. But starting off, and we'll get right into it off the bat, 
Daryl Thomas situation in Baltimore is something that I've never seen before. A lot of guys get along and gel with this Baltimore culture. Earl Thomas just did not seem to have that and did not seem to have the personality. It seemed like Baltimore went out and made this move pretty much right when the Browns got Odell Beckham. It seems a little bit of a panicky move. Didn't seem to do a ton of research on it. Now, I don't know for sure, but that's just what it feels like to me. But the Cleveland Browns just lost their star safety or their rookie safety, who they were expecting to be a star, in Grant Delpit. And we kind of touched on it a bit. But when you look at Grant Delpit and his loss to this Cleveland Browns defense, how big of a loss is this? And do you think that Earl Thomas could be a suitable replacement? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that it's a good move to sign Earl Thomas if I'm the Browns and I'm trying to reinvent the culture. And I got a lot of change there and a young coach that hasn't dealt with the CEO portion of being a head coach before. And you mentioned, you know, Baltimore is a pretty easy place to blend in. They win games. It's a great organization. So is Seattle. I mean, he's two for two with some of the best organizations in the league of figuratively and literally giving them the finger on his way out, you know. So do you bring that guy (laughs) into your building if you're the Browns? On the field, he can still play. You know that. They need safety help. I talked about it earlier in the show. The linebacker safety situation really worries me for the Browns, especially when Lamar Jackson's in your in your division and how much he attacks the middle of the field in many ways. And Thomas would help that. But I kind of feel like I'm staying away from that guy unless I have a really strong culture, which the Browns can't at this point, and they're trying to build that. Yeah, and personally, I've been encouraged by what the Browns have been doing this offseason in terms of bringing in Andrew Barry, who I think has hit a home run on his move so far, and also Kevin Stefanski I thought was a great hire. But you can't really put any stock into this Cleveland Browns team until they prove it on the field. And, you know, a lot of people fell bait for that last season when the Browns get went out and acquired Odo Beckham. and got a lot of these stud star pieces and said, all right, well, the Browns won the Super Bowl, but, you know, they were doubling on the Super Bowl champions in April. Then the season starts and they get absolutely demolished by the Tennessee Titans. So let's move forward a year here right into the present. Matt, how good do you think this Cleveland Browns team is going to be with the moves they've made this offseason? I agree with a lot you said. I mean, I think Stefanski, his, well, his system, I don't know about Stefanski the leader, I just don't know is perfect for Baker. Lots of play action, double tights, run with Chubb, who's perfect for this system. And you mentioned their off-season moves. In the past, you know, Odell, Kareem Hunt, Olivier Vernon, I thought they were just kind of fantasy football in it and just accumulating pieces. Where this year, I thought they had a really good plan in place that we need tackles, we need a second tight end, You know, we're going to build things for Kevin Stefanski, and I think they did a really good job with that. Um, That being said, I worry about Baker's turnovers. I thought he played very, very poorly last year. I don't think that Case Keenum being in the building is an accident, and you can disguise it as he's going to be a great mentor and, you know, another set of eyes in this new offense. But if Baker starts turning the ball over, we might see Case Keenum in Week 10 as a starter, too. I don't think that's crazy talk. And, and what I was, was saying before is this is the wrong offseason to be one of the teams with the least continuity in the league. You know, you have new offensive linemen. That always takes time. Yet another system for Baker. 
a head coach who isn't Tomlin and Harbaugh. You know, I mean, hasn't been around the block as a leader of an entire team. And you get hit hard with linebacker and safety situation, too. So I really, you said it on paper. I really like what they've done on paper, but that's not how you play the games. Yeah, exactly. And, that you know, it goes right back to, you know, crowding Cleveland the Super Bowl champions in April last year. Yeah, they had the team on paper, but ultimately the, they have a lot of big personalities. And, you know, we you talked about it with Earl Thomas. Is that the best thing for their culture? How how would he mesh with guys like Baker Mayfield and Odo mm-hmm. Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Kareem Hunt? It, it goes beyond the football field because, as we've seen, as the Baltimore Ravens just showed a few days ago, it goes into the culture. The guys want to, you know, win. The guys want to win games. That's ultimately what it comes down to. And if guys, if guys are getting their car washed in meetings and, and not showing up and scheduling vacations and just not doing what they're supposed to do, that can really get into the heads of everybody on the team. So this Browns team needs to mesh a little bit. But finally, rounding this out with the Cincinnati Bengals, obviously the big story here is Joe Burrow. And I think Joe Burrow, you know, obviously had the best college football season in college football history last year for LSU. But you look at it, the the Bengals didn't do a lot to address the offensive line. And that's what worries me. And you mentioned, you know, this is the worst offseason with having bad continuity. You don't want that. Joe Burrow is a rookie quarterback. Teams like the Ravens and the Steelers and the Browns all have fearsome defenses. Maybe the Browns a little less so now. But the Ravens feast on rookie quarterbacks. The Steelers feast on rookie quarterbacks. This is going to be a tough year for Joe Burrow. I think he's going to experience a lot of growing pains. But I don't think that necessarily shows what he's going to be as an NFL thrower. I think that he has the pocket mobility. You know, the arm strength was kind of a concern. You know, the small hands. But honestly, that's not a huge concern to me. What do you expect out of Joe Burrow this year? Yeah, a lot of what you said. I mean... I think he's going to be a major, major thorn in the side of our two favorite teams for many, many years. And he is going to, in time, ascend to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I love the prospect. And if anyone can handle such so much on his shoulders so fast with such little time to prepare, I think his competitiveness and mental makeup make him at the top of the list for all those things. I've also been around some people close to the Bengals at the Combine this year, and they all told me, saying, this team likes their offensive line a lot more than anybody else. And I'm like, "Eh, okay, you know, and they really didn't do much to address it. I mean, Jonah Williams was last year. I mean, I'm not going to say I know more than the Bengals, but I'm with you. The line worries me. The skill guys, I think, are great, and it's a really good group of skill guys, in fact. I think Mixon's a star. But I think there will be much more bad than good. You know, Peyton Manning's rookie year, Troy Aikman's rookie year, you know, great, obvious Hall of Fame careers, but just got thrown into a rough situation. That being said, I don't think the Bengals were the worst team in the league last year. I mean, like, they played a lot of close games. They lost a lot of close games. They had that stretch where they played Finley, who isn't really an NFL player to me and gave them no chance to win. So I know they picked first, but I also thought last year's Bengals in Taylor's first year as head coach were better on the field than their dreadful record. So, you know, I think they'll be fun to watch, but it probably won't go well when it's all said and done. Yeah, that's really interesting what you had to say about that offensive line, because as you said, I kind of look at it and I go, hmm. 
Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see, but, you know, I don't really know how well Joe Burrow is going to hold up behind that offensive line, but he does have the pocket mobility and the awareness to at least escape some of the sacks that I'm sure the Cincinnati offensive line will give up. But finally here, Matt, I want to get a final AFC North prediction from you really quickly. From top to bottom, how do you expect this division to go? Uh, as most do. I mean, I think the Ravens won't win as many games as last year, but will be a dominant team and a Tier 1 NFL team and a Super Bowl contender. I think the Steelers are the clear second team. And I think the Steelers, to me, uh, I'm, I know I'm biased, but I think they're in contention for the third best team in the AFC. I think they end up in the playoffs and win 10-ish games or so. I think the Browns show some signs of life. They show some things on the right track. But in the end, probably win seven or so. And this division's tough. I mean, are the Browns going to go four and two in the AFC North? You know, probably not. And the same's true for the Bengals. I mean, I think the Bengals fans this time next year will be saying, a lot like the Cardinals fans, will be like, we have a stud young quarterback. We have some pieces in place. Another offseason of high picks and another free agent or two. As Ben gets old and, you know, those type of things, I think there'll be a lot of optimism around Cincinnati a year from now. Yeah, I I think so, too. Personally, for me, I have Cleveland and Pittsburgh flip-flopped, although I don't think necessarily that means Pittsburgh is a bad team. Like I said, Mm. I think they have one of the top, if not the top, defense in the league. That Minka Fitzpatrick deal, I'm telling you, I didn't like it at first, but now, now as we're here... I'll say that Pittsburgh made a very good investment. Cleveland, to me, is just a team where I, I said you can't invest too much until you see it on the field. But there's there's a little bit of a different sense to me around the building. And, and from what I've heard, honestly, when Freddie Kitchens was made the head coach last year, I knew that it was not going to work. I, I was not a fan of the hiring, and I think the Browns did it the right way. And with the talent on their roster, they have to put it on the field, but I think that they're going to do that. So, again, I think three teams in the AFC North could hypothetically make the playoffs this year. You mentioned that third-best team in the AFC. With the Patriots seemingly done now with that and not being one of the top three anymore, you know, there are a lot of teams in contention for that. The Steelers certainly, you could even see the Browns be a part of that. But I think it is going to end up being Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and then finally Cincinnati. But that's all that we have for you today. Matt, it was a pleasure talking with you. It absolutely was. My last note is Baker is the quarterback in the division that I have the most concerns about. I I agree. And for me, I'm not going to put too much stock in a rookie for Joe Burrow because, you know, we've talked about how this offseason has been different in the offensive line. Baker Mayfield, his third year, right, he needs to put it all together. Had a great rookie season, showed that he at least belonged in the league. People were expecting this huge year to jump, and then you see Lamar Jackson take it. And now Lamar Jackson has shown that he belongs in this league. Ben Roethlisberger, well, we know what he can do. So what you have in Baker Mayfield is somebody who needed to improve during this offseason on his awareness, you know, just better decision-making as a whole. He has the weapons around him, and he couldn't produce that with those in 2019. So now 2020, and he, you know, he hasn't been talking to the media a bunch. That was another thing that a lot of people have against him is kind of he he was loudmouthy and talking and you know fewer honestly, State Farm me, commercials this year. Exactly, not as many progressive <laughs> things. You know, right, for, right. For, 
for me, you know, it, it was interesting to see all the tweets about, you know, what was Baker Mayfield's commercial to interception ratio? Because it was it was dang near around one to one. So for me, Mayfield has not been doing as many commercials. You don't see him as much anymore. You know, what you have noticed, Lamar Jackson getting all that hype. He's handled it well, in my opinion. Baker Mayfield has been working out in the shadows. So we will definitely see. Yep, absolutely. Kevin, this was a blast. Thanks for spilling in. Oh, awesome. Thank you, Matt.